Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. As appellate judge Amy Coney Barrett testified in her Supreme Court nomination hearing, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat of Rhode Island, and Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, traded barbs about dark money, with Whitehouse alleging a convoluted conservative conspiracy worthy of only the finest tinfoil hats, and Cruz calmly educating observers about Arabella Advisors, a firm tied to a large network of liberal dark money. Joining me today are two experts on Arabella's network. My colleague, Hayden Ludwig, author of Big Money in Dark Shadows, an expose on the network and its follow-up report, The Shadow Over America, and Joe Schofstall, staff writer focusing on money and politics for the Washington Free Beacon. Before we begin, Joe, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and work with the Free Beacon. Sure. I've been at the Free Beacon for about five years now, and I mainly deal with money and politics, liberal donors, uh, nonprofit organizations, the flow of money between politics, nonprofits, end of the elections, things along those lines. Cool. Uh, so, Hayden, let's start with the basics. Who are Arabella Advisors, and what does that entity have to do with some of the funds that have been discussed around them? Arabella is a for-profit company based in Washington, D.C., uh, but it runs a network of in-house nonprofits that altogether in 2018 brought spent about $600 million, virtually every last dollar of it going into helping left-wing political groups. But it's also infamous for sporting uh, what we call pop-up groups. They're basically slick websites designed to look like uh, fully-fledged standalone nonprofits doing all sorts of activism. This week, we're watching all these sorts of groups, these pop-up groups, attack Amy Coney Barrett under the guise of being independent groups, but really they're all operating from Arabella's Washington address. That sound right to you, Joe? It does sound right. So basically what you're seeing here is, I'm sorry, was that you? I'm sorry. No, go keep, 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 keep going. Okay. What you're seeing here is you're seeing Arabella is mainly used primarily as a, a funding avenue for Democratic donors and organizations such as the Democracy Alliance. A lot of demand justice, for example, what's going on right now with the Supreme Court justice fight, they're spending $10 million. Yeah, demand, on, demand justice, let, let's just be clear, that is Brian Fallon's, who was a spokesperson for Hillary Clinton during the 2016 election, longtime Democratic operative. Uh, that is his, he heads that outfit that has been pushing, uh, not only to defeat the nomination of Judge Barrett, but also to generally move, uh, the, the federal judiciary aggressively to the left with things like court packing. Uh, they put out a list of prospective, uh, prospective Supreme Court nominees in a democratic administration, which included a lot of very frankly radical, uh, left-wing legal scholars, uh, and then you, you said that they, they're putting $10 million into this? $10 million into the Amy campaign, yes. So but Brian Fallon is very closely tied to the Democracy Alliance, and uh, which is a liberal, the largest liberal donor network. Um, he was at their April 19 um, secretive conference in Atlanta, and he pitched the group there publicly. And me and my April, coworker were there. April, we 20, April, 20, April 2019? 2018. I'm, I'm sorry about April, that. Tw yes. April 2018. So, 2018, yes. Uh, so he was there pitching the donor, like the group, openly to these um, uh, liberal donors and other activists. Uh, he gave a panel that was hosted by Sarah Knight, who is the head of democracy at the Open Society Foundations, which is George Soros's foundations. And mm -hmm. Soros was actually the first funder, one of the first funders at the inception to demand justice. And 
he outright marked on his tax forms and he gave the money to 1630 Fund at Demand Justice. It was about $2.6 million. So essentially what you're seeing with Arabella as well is you're seeing members of the Democracy Alliance closely aligned with Arabella Advisors, and they send money through Arabella Advisors to fund liberal endeavors. Uh, so Hayden, uh, 1630 Fund, who, who are they? What's the, how does that interact with Arabella? How does that interact with the pop-up groups? What's the structure here? 1630 Fund is one of the four nonprofits based at Arabella's headquarters in Washington, but it's the sole 501c4 as opposed to C3. That's the, that's the Citizens United, air quote, Citizens United nonprofits that are able to engage in electoral advocacy in a way that 501c3 charitable organization like Capital Research Center is not. The scare quotes, dark money groups. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, 1630 Fund basically conducts the lobbying of Arabella. So, for instance, talking about the, the uh, demand justice advocacy, that a lot of that is counted as lobbying by the federal government. Right, because you're lobbying the Senate to take a particular vote. I think one of the interesting aspects of this is how Arabella's pop-ups often work as pairs. So, for instance, demand justice has a quote-unquote 501c3 research arm called Fix the Court, which is about the most ironic name you could come up with. But Fix the Court basically exists to provide supposedly independent research to Demand Justice. And Demand Justice even cites these guys as a uh, a reliable source of information, totally uh, unrelated to the guys operating de- literally down the hall from them at their office in D.C. When, it, when in fact, it's a standard C3, C4 in-house network, much like a Heritage, Heritage Action or American Progress, American Progress Action, that kind of setup. That's exactly it. I think the key thing is that they don't advertise that way. They pretend like they're standalone organizations when in reality they're part of a, a massive, massive network that hardly goes reported, uh, particularly by the mainstream media. Do you happen to know off the roughly how many pop-up groups you've identified, you've identified within well, these networks? Yeah, we estimate the count at about 340, and that's a combination of groups that we've directly identified ourselves and written about, um, or groups that they themselves have, like, numbers that they've given in the past about they've done. So if you add them all up, it comes out to about 340. And I should stress that not every last one of those is still in existence. There are a number of Obamacare groups that we saw in the 2018 midterms that basically shut their websites off. Again, that's why we call them pop-up, because they can pop in and out of existence. Uh, so, you know, we've discussed demand justice. Uh, I think let's look a little bit at the history of that particular organization. I know Joe, you were discussing their, their launch, uh, but let's, let's walk through that intermediate time between their launch and, and the campaign now, um, late 2018, obviously was the debate over the nomination of now justice Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, were they involved in that? They were. They spent millions of dollars on that campaign. Uh, That was probably the biggest thing they have obviously done since up until now. Um, They 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 fight other justice, like other court nominations, any any judicial lower court court, Yes, but they they market themselves. They make all their money by pitching it on the Supreme Court. So in reality. A group like Demand Justice makes all their money when it's a big name battle, like what's mm-hmm. going on now in D.C. and with Kavanaugh. So they they need these 
battles and they want to exist. Uh, they, they, they've hit the lower courts, but they mainly primarily do this. I think a lot of it is more, they do a lot of pumping money into um, advertisements, um, just getting their campaign ads out there, ads out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a, I think it's more of a theater on their part, if you ask me, because they don't really do like a lot of underground activism. They don't try to, they, they basically just operate over the airwaves is the best way to put yeah, it. They're, they have a lot of money. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're, they're buying, buying air. They're buying air. They're buying airtime. They're not so much drumming up, you know, activists to come to Washington and protest and that sort of stuff. Ex- exactly. Yeah, but I mean, like that's the role they play. Every group has different. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Roles right. Yeah. Every, it's, it's like a. It's like a. It's like a like sports positions. Everybody has a position and they play their position. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I don't know, Hayden. Would you agree with that characterization? Yeah, I think that's Joe absolutely nailed it. Um, actually, I'd like to ask Joe a question. Um, there's a particular 1630 fund group that I know, Joe, you know a lot more about it than I have because you've actually written about it and I haven't. Democracy for All 2021 Action, which is quite a name. That's a 1630 fund group that you've linked to possible post-election violence, right? Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So the group is led by a lady named Deirdre Shipling, and she was identified in a Daily Beast article as the point person for another organization, a coalition of groups called the Fight Back Table. And the Fight Back Table, what they're basically doing now is they're prepping for post-election violence. Um, they are envisioning scenarios. They're going through these quote-unquote war games where uh, they – basically came up with these hypothetical situations that are just outlandish and they're prepping for like sending mass mobilization of their groups of protesters of individuals out in case because they think uh, just to give you a few, few examples of what they think that trump is going to do that they'll have to mobilize against is they think he's going to rely on surrogates um and operatives and embed them into protests to sort of incite violence they think that he possibly could um, he could invoke the insurrection act, which would send military into cities, and they would uh, they think he'll quote unquote he'll take fraudulent ballots, he'll try to restore law and order, he'll try to lock down voting locations or like overlook voting locations. So this has been going on on the left for months now. This this fight back table coalition is actually. Um, it's basically a byproduct of something that already happened months ago called the Transition Integrity Project, which John Podesta was involved with, where they mapped out war games, what could happen. Um, and these is, people mentioned that, this violence. Is that, hold, hold on. This is the, the Transition Integrity Project. Was that the thing where like, they had the Lincoln Project guys and John Podesta all – like the Lincoln Project guys yes. played Trump and he declared martial law and seized power and declared himself a dictator kind of kind of thing? That's exactly what it was. Yeah, they map out these hypothetical situations that are just outlandish. Like it's, it's some kind of like authoritarian, like third world country with a dictator kind of end results. This yeah, is that what they're somehow, mapping that out that he somehow sets a, That he somehow sets aside the out, if, if the election goes against him, that he'll set it aside somehow. And that, you know, it's not in the Constitution that, you know, his term ends when his term ends, period. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really outlandish stuff. And basically the only scenario they see nothing happening is if Biden wins in a landslide. That's the only time they said they won't do anything. But like, I, I mean, I'm no 
prognosticator. I don't know what's going to happen with the election, but I don't think he's going to win in a landslide. Like these, uh, Biden is polling a little bit worse nationally than Clinton did at the same time. Um, but you never know what could happen. Uh, the, sw- the swing states obviously are close, but it's going to take a Biden blowout for them not to send people on the streets and at least protest. Hmm. And this, and so who's in this uh, this fight back table? We we, we mentioned it's under so it's, the auspices of sixteen thirty, but yeah. So democracy for all twenty twenty one is the sixteen thirty fund group. Um, but they are the person who leads that group is the point person for the fight back table, which is planning all mm-hmm. this this um, mm-hmm. organizational stuff. The fight back table. A lot of the, there's a lot of overlapping groups between all. Of, both of those organizations, such as uh, Demos, which used to be chaired by Elizabeth Warren's daughter until, I believe, 2019. Um, you have uh, Color of Change. You have um, uh, Move On. Move On's involved. Mm-hmm. A lot of the big organi- liberal organizations you would anticipate being revol- involved are involved with this effort. Mm-hmm. See, I think that's interesting because having the uh, Deirdre Schiffling individual person connection from Arabella to all of these lefty standby groups really shows you how enmeshed the Arabella network is in all of the professional left-wing activist uh, groups that we know of. I mean, they, they all basically operate knowing what the other groups are doing and working for each other and paying each other and receiving grants from each other mm-hmm. or sharing office space with each other. Yeah, it's it's quite it's it's definitely it, the network expands further than we can pinpoint on paper. That's the best way to put it because of the individuals involved. Because I mean, these individuals they all know each other, they all work together, they all. So beyond what you can be proven by documents, by um, business records, it's there. There's a much deeper coalition going on with Arabella than we can pinpoint on a piece of yeah. like, uh, from documents and paper. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Joe, is there anything you'd like to let our listeners know about any projects you or your colleagues are currently working on? Um, right now, um, it will, we just focus on the election for now. Um, I'm focused on the money and politics aspect, uh, so I can't really speak on what my colleagues are sure. doing, but I'm just going to be following the flow of money up until the election. Um, we're going to have a lot of FEC filings coming out um, yeah. by today, next week, a lot, a lot of stuff on the plate. So <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, thanks, Joe. We are now out of time. Uh, Hayden, thank you for your research and for coming on. Uh, Joe Schofstall, thank you for joining us. You can read Joe's work at freebeacon.com. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.